Welcome to Broadband Action, the Community Broadband Action Network podcast. I'm Curtis Dean and joined by my usual co-host and co-founder of C-Band, John Willow. Hi, John. Hello. And today we're really happy to have a great guest with us. This is Don Michael, and Don is a digital literacy specialist for Central Piedmont Community College. And uh I'm excited that Don is going to be sharing a panel discussion that I'll be leading at uh, Mountain Connect. Uh, And that's how we got hooked up and got to know each other a little bit. And today we're going to be talking about the alarming truth about adults and digital skills, especially young adults, and how um, we have a challenge in this country. And it's something that maybe we all aren't as aware of as we need to be. People in this digital literacy space probably are, but people outside of that digital literacy space maybe are not as aware of that topic. So just just kind of start the discussion. Uh, Don, I've heard this term digital native, and I'm wondering what does that mean and is it really a thing? Well, first I want to say thanks for having me on the show. Um, boy, that digital native uh, terminology, it has a lot of isms to it. It started actually when uh, uh, an author named Mark Pensky wrote an article on digital natives, but also he described digital immigrants. Mm. Um, you can read the paper for yourself, but a digital native is supposed to be a, a person, typically a young person, according to Pensky that has the ability to know technology better than the digital immigrant who is older and that they have less need for training because of their their super skills in technology, something innate in their their DNA. And it was hard for me to say, but I, I said it. <laughs> um, he is started- based on all- their age? Based on age? Yeah. Mm. We've evolved. It was, it was almost, in terms of evolution, thinking that every evolution somehow through genes and DNA, although he did not say that per, per se, but he inferred it, that because of this, that students know would naturally know more about technology. So this is how it all started. And there were some dire consequences because of that, that we are now suffering and causing this digital literacy issue that we're trying to solve. Labels have consequences. Labels do have consequences. They so have, let's. They um, have financial. They have financial consequences too. Well, far-reaching economic and social consequences. I mean, there's 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 hardly a limit to it. Is it interesting? Not having read the article, is it interesting or important to say to to define or or, or talk just a second about the difference between a perceived difference between a digital native and a digital immigrant? Or is that not really for this conversation? Well, uh, no, it is because we we it's an is there it's an ism. Um, okay. if you if you say that this student over to the left is a digital native and the student to the right is you know a digital immigrant, you really don't know because it's based on ability, right? Ability and uh, yours truly, you know, a little little older. Uh, I have still have the ability to learn technology. You know, maybe the person next to me, younger, might not have that ability. So Penske's theories are wrong. I've got something to prove that even better. 
So what we did is we took surveys here. Um, this is, we, we just finished with the second one in a row. So I'll just give you some, some quick statistics. So um, we, we asked uh, uh, for demographic data on the folks who visited our digital literacy learning space, the DLLS. We'll talk probably more about that, I think. Um, and we wanted to find out who was coming, you know, the, you know, the, the demographics. We found that 27% um, of the students coming to see us had a grade point average of, of 3.0 to 3.9. I want you to pay attention to that. Why is an A student coming to me for digital literacy technology? We tested that again, and the numbers are still uh, not quite as high as 27%, but it's up there. I think it was 22% this year. So, so that dispels the whole myth about, you know, digital natives, right? Mm -hmm. I also thought it was interesting with the immigrant piece, and we'll move on from it. If someone's identified as a digital native, people, according to Mark Pensky, then they don't need help. But if someone's identified as a digital immigrant, regard and, and they're only get and they're only being dumped into that bucket because of the demographic profile that immigrant person then that would be someone you would identify for assistance and support right right every, so someone every, identified as a digital native the assumption is they need nothing and that's how we find ourselves here. right and here's the question as a teacher why are you, why do you need these wrappings mm. what's the point of the wrappings when that person comes up to you you don't you're like it's like was it tabula rasa I don't know what you need from me, but tell me what you need. I'm going right. to give you just that, right? I'm not mm -hmm. going to make any assumptions. In fact, I'm going to do what they call in the library, which is where I'm housed out of. They, they call the library reference interview, meaning that I don't know what you want, but I'm going to ask you a certain amount of questions. I'm going to get to, to the, the bottom of, of what it is that you really want. And we're talking about the isms. The isms are there for a reason. We, you know, computers have been around since the 70s, right? And then we didn't really go full throttle to around the 80s when the microchips changed and they got faster and they, there was a greater need to teach people how to use them, right? Because there were more software. What happened along the way, and I don't think it's just here at CPCC, but I think in almost all academic institutions, they got this idea of this Penskyism that we don't need a budget, a training budget for for students and, and for instance i can say that here we have we have a service area for um hr for for talent development you need that right we also have a place called the center for teaching and learning that's for the faculty right they mm -hmm. only take care of the faculty but in a meeting you know uh many years ago about three four years ago i asked the question you know raise your hand if you're if you actually are responsible for student training technology training Nobody raised their hand, you know, except the library, right? It's always the been the library. It's always the library, yeah. And that's that's when you start looking at how the Penskyism really started to get institutions to save money, and that's also the cause for the low. I think it's, it's the, the low attention to digital literacy skills over the years, you know. Most of these people would probably have been better trained if there was probably a budget for, right. for that training. And the librarians would have probably gotten that budget because they're the ones that said, we don't turn anybody away. That's their, that's their, their way. They, if I don't know, I'll help you find, find, find the answer, right? 
And so then you get into this, this is recently, I thought, this, this hiding work within work. What you do is you, there's this, this need that, that uh, technology, the bean counters aren't going to pay for the training, right? And so they just wait until students say, well, where do we go? And they go to the library. And the library said, okay, I'll help you. And then what they've just done is they've just added more work to what they do. And that's what's been going on. This might be third rail. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, I, I'm not sure if people did it on purpose, but all I'm saying, it's going on. Right. And the, be the best essential question is, and it's not a rocket science question, is do you have a student technology training budget, period? So right. if you've got new technology that's coming on your campus, like maybe uh, Microsoft 365, you know, are you, do you have a budget to train them? If it's a no, then think about that. Then how are you going to train students? It's that Penske that comes back up again. Well, you don't have to because they're, they're born with a computer in their hand. It's like, that's ridiculous. And even from a teaching point of view, if you're a teaching institution, mm -mm, that's not the right teacher one-on-one -on -one questions. You need to say, do we need a budget? And then right. how much of that budget do we need? Especially if if you've got 800 teachers, 400 staff, and 45,000 students, mm -hmm. I mean, why does why does not the 45,000 get want to need a budget? I mean, how how is that not getting a budget? It's like these are not rocket science questions, right? They might be third rail questions, but it's like so who's responsible for that? Well, let's talk about that too because we also I want to say put it out there, add into the add in here as a dimension that when um, the United States started systematically defunding schools 25, 30 years ago, a lot of programming went away. And what we talk about is we talk about, oh, recess is gone, arts programming is gone, but also shop is gone. Vocational, I'm, I'm a vocational When I was in high school, I had to take business and personal finance and I had to take a typing class on a computer yep. keyboard, yep. Mm -hmm. right? And yeah. that was in the 80s, in the yeah. 80s, in a high school where I only had 90 people in my graduating class, the Warriors, um, <laughs> we still had to take, we still had to take a computer keyboarding class in 1981. Yeah. And now kids don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so by the time they get to college, they've been pumped for, they've been pumped their whole young lives. Hey, you don't need help. You, you got this. They get into college. No, they don't got this. Right? Oh, and so not they've only gone through, they've gone through all of their all of their middle and high school years now with a Chromebook in their hands, with everything opened up for them. You know, they don't like it starts way before college. Yeah. And, and then the colleges inherit that problem. And if they don't fix it, they yes. go right to the workforce. That's yeah. where I would. Yeah. And they, they can fix it through a pre-assessment the last semester of of a of a high school student. Right. I, was, I was a high school teacher. I'm telling you right now, those students are looking for something to do. Most of them are trying to get internships. It's only a 30 minute uh, North Star basic mm -hmm. skills test, right? right? It creates a transcript that can come to the, the higher education institution. Or if you are a, a really willing higher education institution, test them when they're with you on in the summer. Or if mm -hmm. you just, how about this? It just happens. They're in the classroom. You just discovered it, right? As soon as you know that, test them, test them, have them come over to the library 
and have, have them take the North Star, Star test. So you at least have some sort of calibration as to where they are. See, that's what a teacher is supposed to do. You're supposed to find out where they are, not try to teach them something they don't they already know. Right. right. Individualize right. it. The only way but, you're going to know that is through an assessment. Now, so so after someone, for example, if after someone's been accepted into the school, but before they start, what would be the harm of requiring that you send them a link? They take the assessment. We, you know, we used to take placement tests around college all the time, right? To know if we needed to take the English credits, the math credits. So it's not like that's a crazy precedent. Yeah, the only thing is that uh, this may be a, a Midwest, you know, not Midwest thing because I'm, I'm from the Midwest. I'm, I'm used to being tested. So it's no big deal. Right. But I do understand why schools uh, are hesitant. They Their theory is that we have so much for them to do that that we will, you know, wear them out. I, I would say I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. Uh, but I will say that you can still get around that by pre-testing with through high school or right. Because the people that you just discover in a classroom, that's those numbers are going to be smaller, right? You can handle that, and with the help of the library, like, like, you know, s systems like uh, the digital literacy learning space we have, we can take care of that. But it's the ones that are coming in. You'll know already, right? And you'll be able to do that. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to share with you was a conversation, um, and, and this this was a conversation with a uh, CIO who was looking at our our, our project and our, our service. And we had a statistic where we, uh, we asked the faculty, we also tested, the, we, we uh, surveyed the faculty regarding their thoughts on students' digital literacy, which was a very interesting survey. And one of the questions says, do you, do you believe there should be a centralized uh, place where students can go for technology training, right? Simple question, right? So the, 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 Oh, maybe this was, this was the students. I'm sorry. The students said that. So 83% of the students said, no, I don't need that. And by the way, if you've ever taught students, they really think that they're, they're hot stuff. Just so you know. <laughs> this and is a, learning saying, lab, a learning lab sounds but, like more work, right? But let's just go with the numbers, right? It's true. It said 83%. He says it's 83%. He's, this is the CIO, digital uh, IT. So it's, it looks like they don't need it. I said I said to the CIO, you know, you're right. 83 is does it's a high number. I said, but we're not a corporation. You know, that 83%, you know, we don't probably need to see them. That's great. The library won't need to, we'll leave the door open if they want, but we don't need to see them. We're happy about that. What about the 17%? I says, we're, education is always 100%. Always. Right. You don't, you can't just say the 17% is, is going somewhere else. And that's what's been happening over the years is this. Okay concept of uh, the higher number is where we should put our funding maybe i mean mm. again remember i'm not the guy handing out the money and i'm not the one deciding that stuff i don't know why this wasn't picked up a long time ago but i do know that if it hasn't been there it has to have had some negative influence on though right. that that 17 percent that wasn't given service wasn't even asked if they needed service right um I think that as we as as our service goes along, we're going to get more of these numbers. The numbers aren't going to change. We're always going to have that set seventeen percent, right? Yeah. Well, that's an interesting way to advocate for institutional for institutionalization of this priority, right? 
when you when you get to an academic center and you say, well, 17 percent is almost one in five. So that's a lot. So they put it. So like, does that if you can that, that just seems like something just a little more um, defined, tactile, tangible to work on. So you put in a small resource lab with like whatever, five people, whatever you're, but then, but, then, but then use, but then use will dictate, right? Use will reflect, use of that lab will reflect the need. I feel like, I feel like what I'm hearing you say is the need is just to get them started, get those resource labs into schools, even if they're not, you know, like rolled right. out with ribbon cutting, just, just get something going so you can gain traction on that. Yeah. Right. And, and in way students learn now, everything is real time. Look, I'm not If you want me to teach you how to do a pivot table, then we should have a resource to teach you how to do just that. I am not going to set up a whole Excel course for you to learn how to do a pivot table week five when you're already dead. You know, your mind mm -hmm. should be dead by that time. It's like students want real service, real time. And that's what this center offers. It's like whatever it is you need, make an appointment. And we will help you with just that. And how about this? Again, that library code. If we can't help you, I will send you to a, a professor on campus that will meet with you and make sure that they meet with you and give you what you need. So to bring it down to a very basic level, let's say I'm an 18-year-old person and I'm getting out of high school today. Mm -hmm. And I'm enrolling in any institution of higher learning, whether it be a vocational program or looking for some sort of professional degree or whatever. Mm -hmm. What are the, what are the, what are the, dis, uh, the challenges that I face if I indeed are what we am, what we call before a digital native, whatever the heck that means, but what are the disadvantages and the challenges that I face going into school that first year? Am I likely to get lower grades because I have, I'm so busy trying to figure out the technology that, you know, uh, what are some of the challenges you see those students facing in year one? You know, I've just branched off the answer to that question. So let me first talk about the, the digital native, and then I want to talk about navigators too. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, if you're a digital native, we don't know what kind of digital native you are. Right. I mean, are you good at games? Are you, are you, are you good at texting? Can you search? Do you understand what a search text coding? How do you know how to use that? Right. We don't know that. Um, the, the, the belief is that when you have that title, once you have that stamped on your chest, that 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 mark, that it's it has reached the bar that the that the the technology bar competency bar that that, that the institution has the institution hasn't even set a bar. Right. right. They should. And that and they should and they should test to make sure that people meet that bar. Right. And the right. digital natives are folks that they want to impress people. They want to, no one wants to be told that once they get to college that you don't, you don't know Jack about, <laughs> about, about searching or you don't know how to, especially, yeah, especially when the adults in their lives for the past several years have been looking at them and saying, Johnny or Jane can fix your problems because She's a teenager and teenagers know everything. So just call a teenager. Yeah. So yeah, they've got that already have that inflated ego a little bit about their ability to, to figure anything out. Well, having a, having a college culture, a technology culture that has definitive marks for everybody, mm -hmm. president, vice president, you know, staff, faculty and students 
what you do is you, you set yourself up so that everybody knows how to use the technology that you are asking people to use in a course, but you haven't put that in the catalog. So people just show up and then boom, hey, you're using Brightspace. Hey, you're using uh, Microsoft Office. And I know you know how to use that. That's just ridiculous. Right. Don, I'm going to I'm going to share a personal a personal story okay. um, about a, a while back, about six months or a year ago. I needed um, I needed some help in my private practice. <clears throat> and I know that my youngest son, who's a college student he's in his 20s, is a very good writer and I needed content. And so I just I just brought him on to create content for me. But as part of creating that content, he needed to, I needed to work together in Google Drive. We needed to work together in a structured email client. We needed to be, we needed to be able to collaborate. And I, my son is incredibly intelligent, like scary intelligent, but he fell all the way down, even though he went through all the way through school with a Chromebook and, and, and Google Drive and his, his learning platform and all of that. Like he didn't know how to send me an email proof. He didn't know how to click share, share the link, and then type my email address in. Yeah. Or just copy and paste it from the browser bar and send it to me from his Gmail account. Mm -hmm. he, the, the, and, and I don't want to go into it too much. And he came up to speed. But what, what really startled me was I had no idea that would be a gap. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea. The lack, it's a sign of lack of formal training. I mean, you got mm -hmm. what you got soldiers, they enter, they enter and they get boot camp. They're right, all trained right. the same. They have the same duty. The That's same. why they're such attractive people to hire when they come out of the military. Oh my God, the yes. employer yes. knows that they've learned these things because they were forced to. Yeah, to, to learn what you need to know to do your job, right? Yep. You know, the catalogs are limited. You can only say so much, but there has to be some kind of coding in, in the college catalogs that says, you know, uh, Brightspace, you know, knowledge of Brightspace, you know, or blah, blah. That means that before you get into this classroom, you're forewarned, you're forewarned that you need to get training. And we offer Brightspace training prior to classes. So it's mm -hmm. there, right? And you know what you know what we're really talking about here? We're really talking about systems. You know, yeah, we're talking about systems, but we're also talking about how to get an 18-year-old to agree to do more work. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's like I love that these systems are here. I love that. And and I and that support is so important, but I'm I'm almost feeling like there's a piece where like all children need to pass through some sort of funnel. Yes, That's, like all young people. I'm sorry, children, I'm old. But like all, 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 all students all exiting students. high school and, and or entering yeah. secondary post-secondary education, they need to pass through some sort of assessment. Say the word. It's assessment. Not, it's not negative. What are the professors? Right. What about a really bright student who is failing in class simply yes. because they don't understand bright space? Right. Use the technology. Oh my goodness! Think about this. If, if it was you, visualize that. You're, you're in its English course and, and you and you you love the, the you know Baudelaire, you love all, all the poets, you know, Nikki Giovanni, you've read them, you're ready to get into this classroom. Then the teacher says, I need you to create Microsoft Word and then convert it to a PDF as well as this will be in your Brightspace course. Yeah. You know? 
and you are 18 or 60, it doesn't matter, right? Right. right. You know, you're going to be doing double time. You're going to be hopefully, you know, enjoying your course, but you're now going to be learning Brightspace. You're going to be learning or Canvas or whatever it is. And what the heck is a PDF? Let me tell you right now for, for our viewers, it's portable document files. <laughs> the Adobe company created this because back in the day, yes, I and my dinosaur was there. You know, back in the day when they created softwares, the only way to read a file from that software was with that software. Yeah. So you can imagine all these different fi uh, file types. So Adobe says, no, no, agree to us to have a file that every single one of you can read. And that's how the PDF came to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we've talked quite a bit here about hard skills and I'm talking about, you know, adapting to specific technology or softwares or et cetera, et cetera. But there also is a challenge for those uh, young adults with what I would call the soft skills of being successful consumer of technology. You know, um, for example, how to write a professional email or, or an email that expresses mm -hmm. professional thoughts without emojis or how to be an intelligent consumer of online information um, so that you're not being sucked into the rabbit hole of bad information, false information, and leading, you know, uh, learning the wrong things. So that's, is that, is that a challenge you can tackle in a system like you have, Don? Sure. It, what's great about being uh, the service, there's no building, there's no office. Mm -hmm. the service is located at all six of our campuses where we can help students with not just digital literacy, but information literacy or, or citations. I mean, it's a perfect space to be in a one-stop shop for, for actual for learning, like digital literacy learning and, and all those others. Um, uh, but it's gotta be available, you know, right. and, and it has to be promoted by the, the provosts and, the, and the, the VPs and the president. It has to be something that is a priority. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. Question. Just what do you think about the viability of something like this? Um, so we're all Iowans here in this in this in this triptych of a panel. I went to the university. I don't think we should tune out right now. Just right. Dead this is cold just fact. a setup. This is just the setup. Okay. Um, when I was entering the University of Iowa, I had to take a series of placement tests. So I knew at what level I had to start my English. I had to start. Why do we not have a freshman course in every college learning the learning platform, learning basic keyboarding, and you can test out of it, right? Like I was able to test out of all my math for college, right? I didn't have to take any of it once I got there, but because I was able to demonstrate proficiency. Mm -hmm. So do you think, I mean, you're, you're in the education system and as a community college, um, so, you know, academic, you are right there on the front lines where people are trying to balance work and life every day. Yeah, you think right. it's realistic to I create realistic. some sort of digital literacy uh, 101 course that every student in America has to either pass or test out of? I would agree with that. Um, I know that we've had a course that it looks like it was a digital literacy course, but it really was a Microsoft Office course. There's yeah. a difference uh, between learning something and then learning how to learn technology. There's a exactly. big difference between the, those two ways of going about it. I think there should be a, a 
multi-pronged solution because our students and their brains are so different. I think for the, the super fast learners, there should be a, like a North Star, something like that test, so they can get, off, get, it, on, get it out of the way and um, get on with uh, doing the crazy, exactly. super, super intelligent things that they always do. Then there should be also some sort of mini course offering because we've got some students that kind of know, but they need to know what they know and they need us to help them assess what they know. You know, again, in a, it's not like I'm getting any money from Northstar, but they have assessments that actually can just get right to it, right? They get right to it, though. So, so, yeah. so in other words, every student takes a little assessment, and then based on the results of that assessment, they take a semester class, they take a little test from Northstar, or they take a mini course to just, like, have mm -hmm. the skills they almost have. Yeah, yeah. And I like that. I think I mean, think about it. It's it's so quick. They have a transcript. And mm -hmm. so it's not like they're alone. If they want to be alone, they can. But they can also involve an instructor that can say, look, let's go over all the ones you missed and ones you didn't miss, because maybe you can teach yourself or maybe you can't. Again, what you know, you see what I mean? It's like in an education institution, you should have options to be that student that you already are and will help you be a better student to reach, again, right. that culture, that campus a technology bar. And once you've reached that bar, then everybody's walking around knowing the same thing in terms of uh, the same technology. I know it sounds like a panacea, but it's really more like organization. It's like, it's like, it's just organization that yeah. you would in citizenship, you know? Mm -hmm. like, I feel like it's academic support, like any other kind of academic support. We have health support, we have housing support, we have career counseling, yeah. we have we have yeah. we have grief counseling. Yeah. We have we have all kinds of academic support programs available. Why is there not technology support as a pillar of academic support? Well, you know, I'm going to add to that too. You know, we're now starting to understand trauma, and yeah. let's. I'm just going to say it. You know, that literacy part there, it's no different than someone who cannot read. It's the yeah. same fear. I've seen it. Exactly. I've seen it in the, your approach as a teacher, as a librarian. You know, you you have to approach it from a from a trauma informed position because someone has put that person down or they already feel like they're put down. But they will be better learners if you go in, in thinking that this is a digital literacy, you know, you know, focus for this right. training session, because that's that's the job is to get that student from here to the one that has the confidence to hear. Right. That's the whole thing is to, is to get everybody going so that they can find their own way. But when that you don't know the technology, then you're just going to end up struggling, you know, maybe openly or privately. And those right. are the ones that, that I'm more concerned with, the ones that suffer privately. Right. And this is the way this is a great this is a great transition back into what Curtis was saying about soft skills and what you were saying about navigators. When we talk about, we, we say digital literacy in these conversations, but when we're with clients as digital navigators, we often substitute that and say digital skilling or digital training so that it looks like more of a process than a you're illiterate now, but you will be literate later. But yeah. that, that, that goes right into the soft skills of navigators, right? We, these, a net, we're, you know, we've learned a lot through CBAN's own digital navigator work that, 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 a huge percentage of it is talking people down out of the tree, yes. making them feel like 
Yeah. No, this is just a skills gap. Like you were yeah. never exposed to it. So why yes. would you you're not? You're not right? a dumb person because you don't know these things. You just right. were never exposed to it. Yeah. And to take it from a person who's got a neurodiverse brain, I know what that feels like. Yeah. I know what that, 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 um, that worth or value concept in whether, whether I should help you if the help will really work or if right. sick, you know, not knowing that you could actually end up growing, uh, growing up and, and being in college. And then, you know, now you're talking on a digital literacy conversation in, in, a, in a podcast, right? Right. It, it's amazing. Well, I All think these assumptions and, la and labels, they, they, can you imagine how many people are held back because someone feels so afraid of whatever's going on in their life that they have to label you and then put you in this category? Um, you know, it's amazing how, how the human mind works sometimes. Right. And even leaving motive out of it, you've got, you know, even if someone was never specifically traumatized about their skill or lack of skill, you know, you grow up in one environment where that's not a component. It's just not like maybe at your house, people just aren't on computers. Uh, maybe you go to a school system where everything's so locked down that you don't really have to use critical thinking skills to understand oh, technology. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. all kinds of ways people can enter that trough, right? That tranche of, of deficit. Mm -hmm. So, so that's, and we're discovering that too. Like you can't assume there's not one profile of a person who doesn't have these skills. Yeah. But what they all have in common are almost all of them is embarrassment. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the thing, that, the thing that, and the thing that I suggest to, to teachers, and I was a teacher for about 20 years. Um, the, the, the question you ask yourself as a teacher when you start your semester is, OK, what kind of human being do you want me to create? In other words, they're going to be with me for 16 weeks. Right. I need to know at the end of that 16 weeks, what do you envision? that I should create out of each one of them. Now, if you don't have that vision for, for creating or getting that student to a certain skill level at the end of, of those 16 weeks, you might miss something. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of work, especially that first two weeks. You know, if you're, mm -hmm. you're really doing your job as a teacher, that's a hustle, that first two weeks. But it's worth it, absolutely worth it. Nice. Well, hey, I hate to I hate to cut us off here. I'm pretty sure we could talk for much longer on this topic. It's a deep topic. And, you know, Don, hopefully you would agree to come back with us at some point. Oh, yeah, sure. We can continue our, our dialogue here. I do want to mention uh, if you've been listening to this on uh, audio podcast, um, uh, we will put the links that we've been discussing in the podcast description. And of course, if you're watching it on video on YouTube, we'll do the same. So that if you missed any of those links, you may have heard us talking about the uh, resources that Don has at his school. We'll put those up and make those available to everybody. Uh, Don, Michael, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate your time today. You're, 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 quite, you're quite welcome. And I want to say a shout out to uh, the Ro Roosevelt Rough Riders in Des Moines, Iowa. <laughs> that's my, that's, I, went, I started high school there. My, both my parents graduated from Roosevelt. And Drake, and Drake University. Thank you my very mom much. got she got her master's in social work from great. Yep. Yep. Well, my high school doesn't even exist anymore. So. Oh God! <laughs> sorry, she hadn't brought that up. Fortieth year yeah. reunion this year, and we don't even have a school to go to. So oh, sorry. To anyway, that. enough on that topic. Thank you for no, that's me. exactly why we're doing this work, though, Curtis. It is absolutely that's exactly why we're doing this work. That's right. Well, thank you, everybody. Appreciate you coming on, Don. Uh, John, it's always a pleasure, and uh, we appreciate all of you joining us here for. 
broadband action. We'll see you next time.